Hey, all right. Welcome back to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast and sitting in my uh, Star Wars room deep in the heart of Gentilly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, is Alfredo Narvez and Dave Gladow and I am Aaron Swoboda. Everybody say hello. 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 All right. So, yeah. So this is our seventh episode and uh, we're talking about the Mandalorian, um, but we've all seen the rise of Skywalker. Um so I think before we get into episode seven of the of the Mandalorian, the Reckoning, uh, just quick, what did you like the Rise of Skywalker, and did you what didn't you like? Just quick, just off the cuff reaction. If I can lead with something, I put out a Twitter poll on our uh, on our Twitter channel, the Who Dad Jedi. Uh, I asked simply, did did you like it? Um, and uh, the folks who responded to the poll. Yes, 57.5%. No, 20%. Need to think about it more, 22.5%. So an overwhelming positive response, uh, and then somewhat negative, and then also I need to think about it. Yeah, so I, you know, I think because I've seen like a lot of my 500 first friends and actually a lot of people on like my Facebook feed and on my Twitter feed are like, yeah, this is a, this was an awesome movie. They loved it. Um, and then there's a few, there's really, uh, there's a few that are just, uh, just like, I don't know, JJ Abrams walked in, took their dog and, you know, <laughs> sold it, you know, into slavery or something. It was just, they're just so angry about it. So I want to have a, I want to have a conversation with those guys just to see, you know, and maybe they'll be on our podcast one day. Um, but just to hint, see, hint. because, you know, I don't fault anybody for not liking it. I'd, I'd like to know what didn't you like about it. And so what, again, it kind of, what were your expectations going in? So, um, you I know, think the, negati- the ne- negativity falls into two camps that I've seen. Uh, one camp is just, uh, Disney is the devil. Uh, and then the uh, second camp is, um, I really liked last Jedi and I don't like what this did, uh, coming off of last Jedi. So th- that's really, you know, what's interesting though, is yeah. that one of my, one of my best friends, my best friend since preschool, um, he hated the last Jedi hated. I mean, I just saw him last week when I was in Nebraska, we had dinner and he had a few whiskeys and boy, he let me know what you know, he thought of Ryan Johnson just hated the last Jedi and he totally enjoyed the rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I think <laughs> that those these two movies, the uh, eight and nine, are so going to be yang, very isn't it? yeah, yin and yang, and people are going to be divisive. I like them both. Um, the, my initial reaction uh, with this one was that it was my least favorite of all of the movies that we've seen so far. Um, a subsequent viewing uh, made me appreciate it a lot more, but I. I I will say a couple of things. One thing, I was reminded of Avengers Endgame. Um, some of the story beats were very similar, but also it kind of requires that you do the background reading. Um, Summer work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, and so, like, you know, you can either take or leave that, but when you're trying to recommend it to somebody else, I think that's something to con- consider and bear in mind. Um, and then the other thing is it raised my appreciation for a lot of the other movies. I immediately wanted to go back and watch Last Jedi again. Uh, and I think that movie has risen up into my top four at this point. So Same um, here. Yeah. <laughs> so, Fredo, Dave, you've seen it twice. 
Yes. I've seen Freddy, it once. Seen it once. I've seen right. it once, plan on seeing it again. Uh, initial reaction off the top was, okay, that was interesting. Because it's a lot. And then that's one of the things that kind of struck me. How much plot, how much action, how much stuff is happening in this movie. Uh, I made a mention, you know, keep it as spoiler free. There's a moment in the movie that I thought, this would have been a great third act of a previous movie. Here it's in the first third of this movie. So J.J. Abrams went at it like, okay, I'm throwing everything at you. You will like something out of here. You know, and that was the thing. You know, Britt and I talked about that. It was, nobody is going to complain about a three-hour Star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. So why not make a three-hour Star Wars movie? Because I'm with you. It felt frantic from the get-go. And maybe it's supposed to make you feel frantic. But I mean, you know, I I guess my initial reaction was I, you know, I enjoyed it. But the first about half, I was just kind of unsettled. It was... It felt like it finally got its its settled into a groove about in the midway through the second act. Part of me, part of me, uh, when we came out of the theater, was telling my brothers, it felt like J.J. Abrams gave us his episode eight point five and episode nine, shoved them together, and that's what came out. Because it felt like he just decided, I am going to, in order for make my episode nine, I got to give you some information that wasn't available beforehand. And all of that info dump, all of that you know stuff contained into this movie, and it's only a two hour and twenty two minute movie. It's not longer than any other Star right. Wars movie, but it just feels so rushed. There's few moments where you know think of a moment like an Empire where you know Yoda's talking to Luke. We don't have a mo- we have very few moments like that where two characters are just sharing a scene. And discuss it doesn't stuff. slow down a lot. It You're does right. not slow down. So my again, my initial reaction was I I, I dug it, um, but I was going in just like I'm going in to see a new Star Wars movie. I was, I'm always excited to see a new Star Wars movie. Now, if I want to get critical about it, um, like we were talking beforehand, I think what this sequel trilogy suffers from is three different story writers: J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan, uh, Ryan Johnson, and then uh, Chris Terrio, and a little bit of J.J. Abrams. You know, so the previous trilogies, like them or not, at least you could draw a line because George Lucas wrote the entire story. Now, different screenwriters, that's different. Mm -hmm. But I think that's where this, I don't think that Ryan and JJ, you know, worked together and collaborated to make sure. And I don't necessarily know if the Lucasfilm story group does anything more than say, oh, no, we killed that character off, you know, in this book. I think I think they're there just to. They're kind of like the the two guys from uh, you know Good Morning Vietnam who are you know censoring things you know <laughs> with the red lines. But so so I dug it. Um, I will say it's the first Star Wars movie that I damn near ever cried in three times. I mean literally. I mean there's parts where your heart just breaks. Mm-hmm. So that was great storytelling. I mean they did some awesome things that way, um, and I was happy with the way that they dealt with. Well, just dealt with everything, dealt with Carrie Fisher, dealt with, you know, different character arcs, you know. Um, so, yeah. But I, I, I think it's it's a movie that will be get picked at more and more as we progress. I, I was saying in the last episode, at some point, it has to go up on the shelf alongside all the other Star Wars movie as a Star Wars movie. So it's going to get dissected. There's stuff that's going to come out of it. There could possibly be future projects for some of these characters down the line, whether it's Disney Plus or some other uh, method 
So you know that this isn't really the end. Everybody's calling it the end of the saga. And I'm like, just give it a few years. All this will, you know, we'll be here again. Yeah. And we're going to have a deep dive into this in a future episode. Yeah, know, not too distant future. We'll we'll get to talk about this in a lot of depth, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I think like the biggest thing is like we we look at these movies again, like kind of spinning off what Fredo was just saying. Like we look at these in a vacuum when they first come out, but then it's like for me, this one. I, there's been a lot of criticism about how this doesn't flow together. The sequel trilogy doesn't flow together because of the different writers, because of the different directors, because of the different visions. And I agree with that critique, but um, gosh, I tell you, one of my first reactions from this movie was like, I got to go back and watch The Last Jedi now. Mm -hmm. So for me, it enhanced the rest of the saga. So, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's our initial reactions. Nobody, nobody hated it, you know, have our critiques of it. But again, I guess if I were to recommend to anybody who hasn't seen it, Get out of your own way. <laughs> Again, oh, I've said it before. Don't go in with expectations. Just go in to enjoy a movie because it is Star Wars. You know, it is, it's fun. You know, it's flawed, you know, but, but I, again, I think it's most people our age that get our, get in our own way. You know, it's just like quit expecting that you're going to feel like you're 10 or quit feeling, quit hoping to get that feeling you got when you saw Any Hope for the first time, or Empire for the first time, or uh, no, no, Phantom Menace for the first time. Whichever was the movie that got you in, you know that that's an initial reaction. You're never gonna get that again because it's impossible. You'll just if you keep chasing that high, all you're gonna do is be disappointed. The initial Star Wars was such an important movie in cinema history. And I think like people elevate it on that basis and they don't really look at it with a critical eye. And there are a lot of problems. In There's that a movie. lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. George Lucas is not a director of actors. No, not. <laughs> Which then br- that brings me to another point about actors. But anyway, we won't get into that. It's time for trivia. Woo! Yeah. Our Star Wars trivia, um, Star Wars Trivial Pursuit. Um, uh, Fredo, you're coming to my house on New Year's Eve. We might play a little bit of this. I think, and Ryan will be here, so that would be kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> he will know. <laughs> never seen them. any Star Wars movie. If Philip shows up, maybe you know we'll get him as well. Um, but uh, so yeah, and Dave, if you come over, escape for a little bit. Um, you know who knows. Um, but okay, so I will ask my question of Fredo. Fredo will ask of Dave. Dave will ask of me. Again, just grab whichever one's on there. So I'm going to say. Who's the first rebel to verbalize that the Falcon's escape from the Death Star was too easy? That would have been Princess Leia. Was Princess Leia. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> he knows his stuff. All right. All right, Dave. You uh, didn't give the listeners any time to think. We should. Well, I probably should. I probably should. But I mean, that felt kind of. <laughs> but it was like, all, all too easy. I, yes. I'm pretty sure they were hollering to their uh, phones and radios. Um, okay, Dave. Um Let's see. Okay, just pick one out. Who saved C-3PO from Jabba's hungry sidekick? That would be uh, R2-D2. Of course. Now, did you were you struggling with that, or did you give the audience enough time to play with it in their heads? I think you. I think it's a latter. little both, actually. I want to give them a chance to uh, answer themselves, <laughs> but also I was thinking about it. I'm like, hungry sidekick. Was he? Hung- I guess he was eat- trying to eat yeah, his eye. Yeah, pulling out his eye. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, I guess he was trying to eat. Anyway, 
Um, let me get closer to my mic. Um, what twosome are slow to realize that the alcoves in a Geonosian foundry are filled with Geonosians? Uh, it's going to be Anakin and Padme. That is correct. All right, cool. <laughs> Someday we're going to get questions we can't answer and we're going to embarrass ourselves. We're not, we don't know everything here, but, uh, but so, we fake it till we make it. That's right. So we're talking about don't let yourself, you know, don't expect to be feeling like you were 10 years old going to see the movies. But I'll tell you what's making me feel like I'm 10 years old, and that's The Mandalorian. Um, and it it is, I still, every time I watch this show, it feels like you can you can see John Favreau playing with his Star Wars figures, making up stories. I mean, this is what I did, you know, when I, before I was in school, you know. Um, but, um so we are on episode seven, and it is the reckoning, um, and it's kind of a heartbreaking episode. It's one of the longer ones. It's designed uh, to bring the whole season back to where it's, things kind of started, because we see a lot. We visit a lot of the worlds we saw earlier. We meet back a lot of the characters we met earlier, and uh, it's supposed to bring us back to a confrontation with the client. So I guess we can cook along real quick the the plot. Dave, you want to give us kind of a plot synopsis, what just maybe beat by beat, or we can yeah. help each other out here? Yeah, so the basic summary is uh, Chubbs reaches out and says, hey, I have a plan to get you out from this constant pursuit that you are under from the client. Um, we, we should end this thing, and Mando immediately goes for it um, because uh, I think, as he has seen over previous episodes, that he him being on the run uh, with Yoda Baby has not been working out so well. But what's different here is that he then goes and gets friends. Yes. Shows, shows his growth. I mean, he, he goes and gets help. I mean, I think Mandalorian from episode one, one would not have. Now, this is the payoff episode because like we've been talking about how these previous episodes he goes to a new world he gets into some hijinks um and then he discovers he can't run away from his past uh and then leaves <laughs> and tries to run away from his past again um and so here is the episode of growth displayed growth and so he decides to do something different and again leans into these people that can help him um, and it's a fun sequence, bringing the gang, getting the gang back together, you know, and that, that's kind of an old Western trope. IG 11 is back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Which Spoiler alert. Sorry, but <laughs> if you're listening to a podcast, that's, you know, on you. Um, yeah, reprogrammed to be a nurse and, uh, and a baby minder <laughs> or babysitter. Yeah. And they, you know what, what I found odd was, okay, you really, you just needed to tell me that you reprogrammed him as a as a nurse, you know, for protection, you don't have to show me the montage of IG 11 having to relearn everything. But I think that's important for the next episode. I think you need to establish the character. You need to buy it somebody because all you know of IG 11 is that little sequence at the start where he's just, where he keeps threatening to self-destruct for laughs. So you needed that moment to kind of recognize, okay, this is a different IG 11. Yeah. There's a deeper, character there yeah. and it, it's interesting too uh yeah i maybe they went far with it i don't know but um i, I appreciate as much ig11 as we can get mm-hmm. so we kind of we kind of buried the lead there he went back 
to uh, whichever planet that was, and he got uh, Caradune. Fi- we, well, at first, well, yeah, he gets Caradune, mm-hmm. who was in a some sort of you know betting fighting MMA match, which you know she was she was doing the uh, there you go yeah but you know the drinking game that Karen Allen did in Raiders of the Lost Ark by way of <laughs> by way of Gina Carano MMA fight. And she was fighting uh, uh, one of Darth Maul's species. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Big dude, too. And uh, so she doesn't want to get in on this. He's asked, you know, obviously the Mandalorian doesn't trust Chubbs. Chubbs. I mean, he I mean, he can smell this a mile away. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't want to come along until he finds out. She finds out that the guy they're trying to swindle is an Imperial. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I have a problem with them calling him imps. You go keep thinking of uh, Tyrion Lannister from Game of Thrones. I've, I've never seen a full episode of Game of Thrones. Okay, so well, that's what I thought. I'm of. sorry. That's for <laughs> another okay. podcast. Yeah, yeah. You guys can talk Game of Thrones, and I'll go. Eh, <laughs> eh. Anyway, we'll just make uh, you watch all all eight seasons. Well, you wonder if that if those are slurs because like we constantly hear Mando, Mando, Mando. Um, and we don't know if that's thought of as a slur sure. in that universe or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's on board and, uh, um, they get on the razor crest and one of my, uh, another great baby Yoda scene where, you know, they're having some talk, this little exposition and baby Yoda looks down from the, cause she asks, is he all right up there? And he's like, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> you know, leaving the kid alone in the cockpit and pretty soon, there's baby Yoda, you know, careening the razor crest into, you know, oblivion, <laughs> you know, just grabbing the joystick and going. It was, oh, it's just funny. If you've never been up, you know, I'm sure every parent who's ever left a kid in the front seat of the car, the car running, had a flashback <laughs> at that moment. Like, yeah, shouldn't have put the emergency brake on kind of thing. Dave, anything like that ever happened? Kids put the car out of park uh, into like, neutral? or uh, Well, I can I can confirm that they definitely like to get into the front seat and start <laughs> pushing buttons, but uh, thankfully the car's never been on when they've done that for me. So then they go to uh, um, the other planet with uh, that looked like Tatooine, but was not Tatooine, but anyway, and they get the Ugnaught, and we find out that Nick Nolte's name is actually actually Quill. 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 Yeah. Um, so, and again, so it's that building personal relationships, mm-hmm. you know, even though he later, you know, says the Ugnot, um, but still, you know, it, it's building a personal relationship with, with Quill. Um, that's when we meet IG 11, he's back, Quill put him back together. Um, and, uh, you see his bias shy, shy through again, oh, immediately Mandalorian get, right. get that droid away from me. Yeah. And, well, and also Quill's bias towards um, Cara Dune kind of showed as well. I mm-hmm. mean, there's, there was conflict there. Um, well, she doesn't trust him because he used to work for the Empire, and he doesn't trust her because she's a rebel drop trooper, shock yeah. trooper. So they all get on the Razor Crest with a bunch of blurgs. <laughs> I've spoken. The, what? Yeah, they, with, with a bunch of the lizard blurg things. And Cara Dune and Mandalorian are having an arm wrestling competition and Baby Yoda's watching and Baby Yoda starts to reach out with his hand and I figured, oh, he's going to throw it. He's going to use the force and help the Mando win the uh, the arm wrestling 
and it was first oh crap moment you know where i think when we were sitting on the couch we went oh my god because what happens he starts choking force choking cara dune and and it took some everybody a moment to realize what's going on which... well you know and the and the first time that, that happened i thought he did it by accident but then when you upon watching it again he has a very ticked off look in that yeah. little puppet's mm-hmm. face he knew exactly what he was doing but I, but I think it was, and Dave, you have kids. I mean, so how many times does it happen where maybe you're play fighting with somebody and they think, oh no, or you and Kate might be, you know. You <laughs> well, this know. hasn't happened to me personally, but the, the biggest example is a sexual intercourse. <laughs> Get off my mama. <laughs> Get off my mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, well, I'm going to take a drink of beer now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. I mean, and it, get, it leads us to a bigger point that's going to play out through the series. Baby Yoda is the only character that we know in this story that has the Force. Nobody else seems to know, understand it, manage it. They don't. They, so how is Mando going to manage, a, you know, a being of such power? There's literally uh, one person in the galaxy he could go to who who could guide him through this, and that's Luke Skywalker, right? Yeah, right. And and so like, but he doesn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know that. Nobody knows that. So yeah. so, so I I also loved it when he first of all he realized that it was Baby Yoda choking mm-hmm. Cara Dune. He's like, hey, no, no, no. She's a friend. She's a friend. Right. And like, I love Cara Dune saying, that's not okay. <laughs> it was just some of the lines. I think the I think these episodes are really well written mm-hmm. to throw in, you know, because even though that was a really tense situation and that comeback, mm-hmm. she's right. That's not okay. But it was just, it was kind of almost, it kind of lightened the mood just a bit. Mm-hmm. But, um, but obviously, Baby Yoda really cares for the Mandalorian, you know, and will protect him at all costs, I think as well. I felt a little vindicated from an earlier show where I talked about how some of the characters around um, Baby Yoda could begin to see it as a threat um, just because of how powerful it is. And we got immediately got a sharp example of that. So that's a, that's actually a really good point because I'm on one hand, you're thinking, God, it's only six years plus return of the Jedi. Surely everybody knows about, you know, Luke Skywalker. But then if you think about the whole, galactic civil war luke skywalker and his you know abilities and his conflict with darth vader is just a pinhole to the this entire galaxy wide thing so Mm -hmm. it's understand you know i gotta go back to the force awakens where you know um ray is like i thought that was a myth you know Mm -hmm. people so the the jedi and the force are really how many generations previous you know and so you're right nobody knows what the heck is going on here and and quill is like all right now this is making more sense what you talked about with the mudhorn you know okay and, and even if people had heard of luke skywalker at this point because it, uh, you know he did this thing and he saved us and he's this hero nobody knows anything about the force necessarily right. within the context of that story so. and you figure that after the fall of the jedi and uh emperor's rise that they did a pretty good job of just wiping out all traces all knowledge all awareness of who the jedi were what the force is because you know most dictatorships function under the management of we control all information and we don't want you to know so why would the emperor darth vader let people know oh yeah there's such a thing as a force and you can use stuff and be have simple cool powers and challenges no they're gonna keep that hidden 
They're going to want to keep that to themselves. We saw all that in Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of that got played out and fleshed out, and it was really, really interesting. And I highly recommend that you watch Rebels uh, after for, some... for many reasons. Yeah. Um, Especially after the next <laughs> episode. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's one of the things about it. Uh, you get to see Darth Vader hunt Jedi, yeah, which is something that a lot of people complained about not getting to see in the prequels. So check out Rebels if you have not. So they land on is it Navarre, right? Nav- Navarre, yeah, Navarre. Navarre. <laughs> and uh they so they land on Navarre and uh meet up with Chubbs and his gang and they start heading off to uh because they're the whole idea is that we're going to trick the Imperial the client into thinking we're gonna hand over baby Yoda and we're gonna kill him and we're gonna get the Mando back into the guild with, you know, um high honors or whatever and off we go. And um, they get going too far because um, they're not going to be able to get to the town until next day. So they decided to make camp. That was when I understand now why it had to be there. But all of a sudden we're attacked by giant pterodactyl, minoc, lizard-like things. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a dragon attack, basically. And uh, yeah. I kind of wished, um, with all the fan service, they couldn't have made it minox. <laughs> well, we haven't seen or minox. Womp, or womp rats. Well, we haven't seen Minox attack um, creatures. They usually defend him. Like the only time we saw him was Empire, and they chew on cables. That's never stopped anybody before. I this mean, is true. This is true. Things. But it seemed like they they were targeting food. They were hunting, which what surprises me is that neither Chubbs, who's from there or who resides there, nor Mando, who keeps going back and forth from there, had any ever, idea that this might be a possibility that they, that they might get. You know, we might get undercover. When night falls, that kind of thing. It's but like, roomy because in the very first episode, Manda knew about that lake creature that came after them and attacked. And mm-hmm. like he was aware of his surrounding and what was going on. Kind of like walking through the French Quarter at two o'clock in the morning. There's just yeah. Yeah, you just got don't go down own. that street. You know, yeah. Right. Don't go by. Don't go walking by yourself. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, they're attacked, and this is very important because Chubbs is mortally wounded, I suppose, mm-hmm. and out comes Baby Yoda. And this is why they dropped this episode today or the day before the Rise of Skywalker comes out. Um, Sorry, spoiler alert. If you want to stop here, if you haven't seen the Rise of Skywalker, then stop listening now. Okay, there you go. You had enough time. Um, But Baby Yoda starts starts reaching out. And yeah, and and it's a flashback to when the Mando was hurt in like the second episode, the Mudhorn one, right? Mm-hmm. and um, Baby Yoda wanted to heal him then, you know. But the funny line again was Chubb saying, he's going to eat me. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he established earlier that he's a carnivore. So the moment he sees him reaching out for him, he's like, well, clearly he's going to eat me now. <laughs> yeah. So, but Baby Yoda heals him and kind of passes out after he heals him. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it's the first time we see force healing in live action anyway, I guess, 24 hours uh, before? Other, well, other other people have said this has been in comic books or books, stuff like that, that there's been... So this is not a new thing that they just created for the Mandalorian, you know. Um, What's interesting to me is how Baby Yoda, whether it's the choking of Cara Dune or the healing of Chubbs, is just reacting to stuff. He doesn't seem to have any training whatsoever on how to well, use his powers. Well, it's a little kid, right? I mean, right. they see they see mom or dad crying and they just want to go give a hug. Right. You know, or they see mom and dad in a fight and they want to Stop defend, it, right. you know, something. So it's it's very 
you know, primal, you know, instinctive things. I would agree. Um, he clearly knows how to do things though, mm-hmm. you know, and I would think that force choking somebody is different than, you know, swinging a fist and, you know, inflicting pain. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not, that's, uh, that's me, but, but um, it's interesting that he's able to know what to do in that moment. He just stretches out with the force and he heals chubs. And it takes a lot of out of him, and so he collapses or goes to sleep. Did you see it? Did you see it coming? No, that particular thing, maybe. And like we, like you said, we haven't seen that in live action before. But the way they were shooting that scene, where Chubbs is, oh, I'm injured and I'm going to die. We'd have an extra med pack. So and Yoda's advancing on him, presumably to help. We don't think he, we don't see any malice in his face at that point. So here's the thing, uh, you know, and it's like uh, the different force powers that, you know, come about that came about in the force awakens and in the last Jedi and people kind of pee in their pants over the, that's not a force power. Like the loop, you know, projection force projection thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, now we can just force project ourselves. It's like, go back to the original trilogy. What we've seen people move stuff, jump, jump and shoot. Like when the, when the emperor shot lightning, I didn't get up and say, I'm out. You know, I mean, it was okay. There's this power that people have that's going to, you know, show itself in different. It's going to manifest itself in different ways, and so that, I didn't so, even think of that as a Sith power at the time. To mm-hmm. be honest, because like, like I see lightning in the prequel trilogy, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But I'd never really uh, thought about it in those. I terms. always thought I always thought back to Attack of the Clones when. Uh, Count Dooku yeah. shoots force lightning at, at Yoda, an actual Yoda, not baby Yoda. And Yoda just holds it in his hand, shoots it right back at him, or when he deflects, and he's like, much to learn you still have. I'm like, it's the kind of stuff that you pick up if you study the force enough. That's the way I interpret but it. My mm-hmm. point is that the reason why they dropped this episode and show baby Yoda force healing chubs, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know, if you're in this far, you're in it. But I mean, it's because... You, they they knew that the minute they saw Ray heal somebody with the Force, the net nerds were gonna come unglued because of the whole loop Force projection thing. So it's like, hey, we got you got a lot of people watching the Mandalorian. Let's set this up so people are going, okay, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a chicken and the egg. Like which came first, like the decision to help the movie or the decision to just put this in the story because it made sense for the story. Um, it makes sense for the story, though. It makes sense both ways, and, yeah. that's, and that's what's interesting. It's yeah. not it, they're not in competition with one another, but they're helping one another right. because that decision by Baby Yoda turns to be pivotal in switching Chubbs' heart away from his initial plan. I did not feel that I needed to see this episode prior to seeing Rise of Skywalker to explain that power mm-hmm. um but it's again you're a we, rational human being we Dave. know <laughs> about mary sue arguments from people who dislike <sighs> ray intensely and so with within that you do have to lay the groundwork so which, to speak. which by I, the way i'm sorry i had i had somebody try to make the mary sue argument with me at a christmas dinner you know and i just said you need to watch the rise of Skywalker. And I left the table. I was just like, I'm not going to get into this Mary Sue argument with you. Slight rant. I guess we, me and one of my brothers got into it discussing the whole, Oh, Mary Sue thing. I'm like, nobody ever brought it, but that stuff up with Luke Skywalker, who for all intents and purposes is a country bumpkin jumped into the 
uh, Galactic Empire uh, version of an F-22 Raptor to get involved in the, the biggest space battle in history. The best line ever came from Family Guy, the Family Guy Star Wars episode, mm. when he goes, you don't believe in the Force, do you? And Peter says, oh, you mean that thing you just learned about four hours ago and now you're judging me over? It's like, <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah, so but anyway. Yeah. So, okay, so... So before, morning, morning breaks and they start heading into town and uh, this becomes an important plot point mm-hmm. because right away uh, his men, Chubbs's men, draw their guns on our, our favorite heroes and Chubbs kills them rather than joining in. Which I want to back up because yeah. I don't think the Mandalorian and Cara Dune are all that good because who's going to put these people they clearly don't trust behind them but anyway that's just but again you got to move the story along so anyway so yes they draw the guns and chubbs turns around and and kills him because he has been healed and he has seen the light by baby yoda (laughs) he has felt the spirit (laughs) you know i don't know that are we going to talk about the blues brothers here (laughs) i have seen seen the light so uh so yeah, so he, he said since what happened last night, can't can't go through with it. So now they come up with a new plan, which is very much like the original plan, where they're because the the original plan was to you know trick the the client and waste him, and you know then he can live happily ever after. And but the original, but the real plan was they were going to turn over Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian and kill them. But now we're back to the original plan. So go in and. Uh, um, the most disastrous um, cinematic blunder in history occurs as they come into town. They come up to these two speeder bike, uh, the scout troopers. Mm-hmm. Their knee pads are on upside down. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Remember, members of the 501st picked up on that right away. They were like, uh, there were screenshots going all over the place. These guys are wearing their knee pads on upside down. So, hey. You don't think you they're know, looking. They're looking. I mean, when when we spend how much time, you know, putting Money together uh, putting together these things and to get them approved, we know when somebody's wearing something wrong. And there we go. You got, you got scout troopers wearing their knee pads upside down. Um, I, I thought you were going to mention... Uh, Werner Herzog uh, and uh, his untimely end, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. Well, so, okay, but, so we go in there yeah. and, uh, you know, it's time to, you know, settle up or whatever. And, of course, Baby Yoda is now being sent with Quill. Um, Back to the Razor Crest. So he's running on a blurg. And the the biker scout troopers pick up, intercept the transmission, head realize they're heading towards the Razor So they start chasing after Quill. Meanwhile... A whole buttload of stormtroopers show up and shoot up everything. Yeah, and Werner Herzog is gunned down again. Here, are all these, you know, we've got Werner Herzog in this show, dead. You know, <laughs> we got this person in the show, boom, dead. You well, know, there's all these people that they were like, yeah, that they're not making it past many episodes. He's well, made it longer than others, but well, it's interesting. It wasn't just stormtroopers. I mean, the whole town had been taken over by the stormtroopers that's part of the reason why chubbs is kind of calling an audible with the mandal with mando regarding taking out the client because it's like look we killed the imperial officer here these guys are just gonna fall away not realizing that he's 
somebody's lacking, that there's somebody yeah. even bigger on top. Because the people who end up shooting up the bar, killing Werner Herzog, and all the all the stormtroopers that came walked in afterwards, there were more than four aside. I loved how Cara Dune kept saying, there's more than four. There's more. Like at some point I wanted Chubbs to go, yeah, there's more than four. What do you want me to say? I screwed up. You know, fun fact, all those stormtroopers, uh, 501st members. Nice. Because they they got to the point where they need to shoot this, and John Favreau said, "I need a bunch of stormtroopers," and Dave Filoni said, "I know how to get some," <laughs> and so they made a call to the Cal- one of the California garrisons, and um, and got people down there. And they said they were like they're blown away by how into it these guys were. I mean, of course, every every member of the five hundred first, it's their dream to have screen worn armor and now all these guys have screen worn <laughs> armor yeah you know and women they're you know there's both but, right. you know so it's it's kind of cool to know that they're you know lucasfilm will reach out for this type of thing but it's also cheap labor right you know they're, they're doing they're doing it to be on screen they're not, I, they're I, not paying them i'm not you're not gonna give me any money you know i'll, I'll go down there and play you know stormtrooper <laughs> for a day for a know? day and a half just shooting up Whatever. and uh, getting blown up oh were the death troopers also 501st or were they actual stunt guys i do not know that one because that was the interesting thing because you see death troopers and the only other time you ever seen them was rogue one mm-hmm. with uh um, and in rebels and in rebels yeah mm-hmm. but yeah but you know that's you know screen time that's it for them you haven't really gotten a lot out of them so all of a sudden to see a whole squadron a whole squad of them it is kind of cool and it, it's also helping with that you know again the people who cry foul over you know where do we see death troopers in rogue one we don't see them any other time during the the trilogy you know mm-hmm. it's like god well <laughs> people know. make me sad you know <laughs> and then we get an answer to another question how do tie fighters land on <laughs> on ground because you've never seen it before you know, and that was interesting because if in Rebels, again, I keep coming back to Rebels. I mean, they showed TIE Fighters landing just like the TIE Fighter that's, you know, I have a TIE Fighter around here somewhere. But, you know, just sitting on its wings, they just have a ladder that goes up and they climb back down this one. The wings fold and thought it was kind of ingenious. Could be a special class of TIE Fighter given the occupant. Could be because Could be. that's when we meet Moff Gideon. Gideon. A.K.A. Giancarlo Posito. Also one of the greatest TV villains of all time, Gustavo Fring. I don't know if you ever saw Breaking Bad, hmm. but for those who did, they're like, yes, you want a villain, that's the guy you call. You know, and, and so he gets up and he says, I want the baby. It'll soon be mine because the biker scouts are chasing after Quill. And um, Did he know actually? Because from my, when I viewed it, it seemed like he did not know that the scouts had gone after him quill and the baby it just seemed to me like okay look you got the baby i want him seemed to me like he knew that he it was... taunted them and said i'm going to get the baby it didn't necessarily mean that he knew that it was a certainty right but he was he was telling them because like, if he had known that because if he had known the kid's not there he would have just told them okay just blow him blow him to get him to come but then you know we see quill has obviously been shot and that was a moment where Brittany and i went oh mm-hmm. yeah I mean, really like that character. And again, it's like, this This is going to get to the point. I think, you know, I've heard Game of Thrones mm-hmm. fans were kind of like this. It's like, if you're going to kill off another, you know, one of my favorite people, I'm going to, I'm just going to start throwing things through the window. I mean, <laughs> because, you know, there's a lot of these characters that it's like, really like them. And then, oh, but... You know, and now is our cliffhanger. Um, yeah, because our Ugnot friend Nick Nolte dies. Quill. Um, 
and he's on the ground in the foreground and you see the biker scouts rustling up baby yoda under their arm and speeding off, off in the background and uh, meanwhile kara mando and chubbs get left in the bar they staring are. at more guns than they can deal with i actually wondered um kind of thought that maybe it was ig11 that killed quill, quill. but so. but not on purpose either either his, his he was going to protect the baby and maybe it was a reaction to to protect the baby mm-hmm. or it was just an accident because they showed how it he's it's taken a long time for him maybe he hasn't maybe shooting a blaster is not you know one yeah. of those skills that he has relearned mm-hmm. just yet you know that's that's what i was kind of left mm-hmm. with but now we're left with the best meme of the you know the past week has been like you know eight days until we know if baby Yoda is okay. And it shows the guy from the office saying cancel Christmas or something mm-hmm. like that. So. <laughs> but, well, yeah. And, and I think it's the, I mean, it hasn't been the first time we've had kind of a, actually, no, it is. The, this is the first true cliffhanger that the show has done. Cause every other episode by and large, I mean, except for maybe the first episode was kind of left um, resolved. You know, by the end of every episode, we've had a resolution to every one of the story beats. He was the first time. No, you were, we want you to come back to finish seeing this off. You know, and that was, yeah. it was interesting as a decision because it's different directors. This was Deborah Chow. Uh, episode eight or chapter eight was Taika Waititi. So, but they clearly were discussing with one another. Okay, here's the point where this is going to end. So, here's end the, you know, here's the thing is that it's kind of like into the, the Rise of Skywalker my, one of my criticisms um, is in the Mandalorian. I, I wish they would have gotten it. It seems like we went through a lot to get finally get to this moment. And now we know we only have one episode left. It's like, why couldn't we have gotten to this moment a little bit sooner and have, cause I, you know, and I don't know, it, it's, it seems like now we're going to hurry up to resolve what's going on here because yeah, they're backed in a corner, baby Yoda's kidnapped, biker scouts wearing their knee pads upside down. I mean, there's a lot of things wrong in the universe right now. We only have one episode to fix it. And you know, Quill's dead, you know, but Blurgs are dead. One, actually a Blurg was carried off by the giant raptor, raptor thing. Earth. I think, did but, they kill the other one? But you know, it's like, it, it, I kind of wish they would have, you know, we talked, it was very episodic and that's cool but now i'm kind of like couldn't we have gotten here sooner i don't know well, what, do, what do you think i'd make the argument that we're on time we're on schedule uh the the buses are so running. settle down Aaron. That's <laughs> the buses what are running on schedule because um the character of the mandalorian when we've talked about this the importance of his growth um and becoming the caretaker um and um if I could diverge for a Go second, for because we've talked about the lone wolf and cub on here a few times. Um, so I just gathered a couple of graphs here on lone wolf and cub. So for just so people are aware of what we've been referencing over and over and over again. Um, so essentially it's just a Japanese manga. Um, and again, I'm going to butcher names. It was uh, created by writer Kazuo Koika and artist Goseki Kojima. Um, and this is all written back in 1970. So this story uh, has been adapted into six movies, four plays, a television series, 
Um, it's been adapted for Western audiences into uh, Shogun Assassin. Uh, Road to Perdition. Yes. A number of Western creators have also cited it as a reference point, including Road to Perdition, um, Frank Miller's stuff, uh, which includes Sin City and Ronin, um, even Bob's Burgers. And, uh, <laughs> so this story... You go from wherever. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the story is essentially... Um, what is what is a real familiar tale to any of us is this person who's in a kind of unsavory unsavory profession, an executioner, um, and he's disgraced by false allegations, forced into a career as an assassin, basically on the run. Uh, and what makes this particularly relevant for us, obviously, is that he's accompanied on this path with his three-year-old son. Um, what's, what's telling is, and where it kind of leads you into this point that we've now arrived at is that they seek revenge on the people who wronged them. And that's, it's a revenge tale. Um, and again, hence the title lone wolf and cub. Um, the comparisons to this story are obvious. Um, you've got this vocation that's inappropriate for youth and the bounty hunter, uh, an uneasy, ill-suited caretaker uh, being forced into this role of suddenly having to take care of someone. Um, and I like the way that it played out in this episode in particular because of um, we talked about him trying to radio Queel and that alerting the scout troopers mm -hmm. to Queel's presence and that he's not safe and that the baby's exposed and that they can get to the baby. Um, that doesn't happen if man does not panicking because his child is out there right. exposed sure. and, and, and you can't get to him. Yeah. Um, and I just like from episode one to this point, I mean that they needed to give that time to grow and develop and sprout. And so, I mean, like for me personally, I think we're on schedule. Um, I, I mentioned that some of the other episodes had gotten a little repetitive uh, but I think that was the point. It's like, he's going to have to eventually learn that he needs to try something else. And, and now they're into revenge. <laughs> that's where they're at now. It's like, that's why they go here. They're like, we're going to kill the client. We're going to end this so that we don't have to be looking over our shoulders forever and ever. Um, but it doesn't go well. I was, and I was thinking, you know, part of the dynamic that has to be earn for any story is you have to trust the decisions the characters make one of the biggest criticisms that a lot of the fans of game of thrones which you didn't see so i understand if this sails over your head but yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> but no it's that uh a lot of the decisions made in the latter seasons particularly the last two seasons felt if not a full betrayal of the characters by the writers it felt anathema or against it felt like they're not the decision that these characters would have made given what we know and sometimes i think the way that an audience recognizes what the way a character behaves is by showing them over and over you have to see mando earning um that level or getting that level of love or affection for baby yoda how do you sure. show it well every time baby yoda's under threat mando's running to the rescue you need to show that baby yoda is gaining a sense of love for mando how do you show that by the fact that he gets defensive about him? You know, 
how you need to show that he is gaining the trust of people. Well, how do you show that you haven't gone these adventures and look at the characters that he gains respect for and respect from people like Quill and Cara Dune versus the people who doesn't he doesn't have respect for like the bounty hunter or the, the team that he went with and to rescue the prisoner in that episode you know once you start juxtaposing who he was versus who he is so that when we get to this point it feels natural that even though you're right he's putting his own child at risk by getting on an unsecure comm link and blasting out hey get out of here quill get out of here but that's a natural reaction that any parent would have for their child like I'm in danger. I don't know if I can get out. The child, my child's in danger. Get him the heck out of sure. here. Yeah. So you need to, you need to have those beats that feel kind of like okay, well, that's not really teaching me anything. Well, it's it's kind of building that sense of the, how a character feels, so that when they do stuff later on in the pivotal, crucial moments, their decisions feel natural. And yeah, like I said, that's something that Game of Thrones' writers just threw out the window in order to fit their story. I will say in a different different topic um, yeah. that it was nice to get in these last couple episodes the uh, the prisoner and this one the acting is better mm-hmm. but then of course I think you've got more seasoned veterans in there um, you know that's I, I... yeah because it's interesting because I've bought I fully bought the camaraderie between Cara Dune and the Mandalorian. The fact that they were like arm wrestling in the ships, and, and it, it felt just like a natural friendship. And I'm, but I, I am having a hard time. I'm going to say his name. I'm having a hard time with Carl Weathers, because it is just like you know, it, it's like Chubbs. I mean, he his <laughs> his character just sounds like it. Put him in goofy golf pants, and I'm expecting you know, you know, grief to start saying it's all in the hips, it's all in the hips. You know, I it. So that's that's one I, I'm still having a little bit of issue with. And I think that also makes me not trust him as a character. I mean, obviously, I don't trust him because he's, you know, still trying to, you know, get mm-hmm. one over on the Mando. But but anytime it, it seems like, OK, he's on our side. I'm like, hey, but it's just doesn't I don't I don't believe him. But I'm just wondering if that's just bad acting. No, I think part and, and I say I think in part it's the nature of some actors when they get to become a name. You see them before you see the character, and that's that can be both a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, you hired Tom Hanks because he's Tom Hanks, because whether you're seeing him in Castaway or Forrest Gump or Sully or whatever, you're seeing Tom Hanks. So True. you get that sense of he's he's, he's like a, like a comfortable sweater. You're gonna feel comfortable, you know, watching Tom Hanks act. You wouldn't necessarily cast him to be a villain in The Mandalorian, even though I'm pretty sure he's got the talent for it yeah he could handle it I think. yeah but it's just it's a question of well that's not really what we're going for and that would that would kind of discombobulate the audience's head because they'd be like wait i'm supposed to feel comfortable with tom hanks why am i not you know so sometimes it, it it's almost the difficulty of being a named actor or an actor that has enough roles under their belt like i mean can you imagine like you know somebody like christopher walken in the mandalorian sure could you imagine, imagine being Christopher a cut- Walken as uh, Han Solo like was originally a possibility? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I Han think- Solo, you know, imagine Christopher Walken making that with Jodie Foster. Yeah. That, that, that could that would almost happen. Almost happen. I think if you tell an actor, act squirrely, um, you're going to get a wide variance of performances from mm-hmm. that. And some of them are going to put you in a state of unease, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think like, 
Carl Weathers, that's his style, I guess. If you, he's acting squirrely, he's going to make but, us feel uneasy. But I'll say it also depends on the characters. I mean, Grief Karga has been established as he's running the Bounty Hunters Guild. He's not above shooting the Mandalorian for, you know, for, for a fat paycheck. So we're probably not supposed to feel uneasy with him at no point. You know, he's not like Kara. Kara, you, you know, Carla Gugino, who may not have been that doing, you know, she's a good actress. She's not the greatest actress, but her role calls her to be straightforward, honest, forthright, and, you know, be a uh, yeah, fighter. And, and, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally digging the Cara Dune character. I oh, think yeah, Gina Carano is awesome. doing a great job with that. And, um, mm-hmm. There's actually some uh, net nerds out there. Again, my wife. We do need to get my wife on this podcast, but she doesn't want to be because she has some great points. She gets so upset. Like um, somebody was saying that when um, Cara Dune and the Mando first meet and they fight and they're like, there's no way that she could beat the Mandalorian. There's, you know, and there's Uh, (laughs) calling her fat and all this other stuff. It's like some people just need to. Well, you know what's uh, what? Yeah, well, yeah, you know we need we need a Festivus episode, an airing of grievances right. episode, just so that they can come on and just get up. But that's look, you know, if if you have a problem with her, that's you know whoever has a problem with her, that's their personal problem. She's nailing the role. She's called to be a battle hardened Repub- new republic shock trooper who has a mysterious past, and she's playing it to a T. So let's go just go around the horn real quick. Mm-hmm. Seven episodes in. I would put this one, I would say tied for, on a scale of one to seven, one being the best and mm-hmm. seven being the worst. I think this is tied for first with me, with the first episode and... Um, the third? and no, Well, the first episode and this episode, I think, mm-hmm. are tied. I really dug this one. Maybe it's because it ends on a cliffhanger. You know, maybe I'm just, you know, that anticipation is, you know helps it along but I just thought it was um, I, I really enjoyed this episode I thought the acting was great I thought you know the cinematography was great I thought the uh, the story was compelling so I don't know Dave where are you at where's yeah, this pro- rank? probably uh, top half somewhere uh, I wouldn't call it number one what's your favorite so far the Jawa no I <laughs> I know everyone thinks that's the throwaway episode but man it was so enjoyable oh which by the way uh okay slide rise of skywalker spoilers when you do see jawas that's all we could me and my brothers were just like suka, suka, suka. <laughs> so fredo where are you at uh probably for me this one probably falls like let's see like i have at the top episode three the sin probably second i'd have the first one you know the mandalorian or is it the client i believe that one's called the client uh, this one might be on par with the prisoner for me, because I oh, love okay. the prisoner. I love the I love the fact the self contained nature of that story, just the lack of trust with the characters. It kind of felt similar to me for that. So it's probably like right now tied for third. So we just hopefully everybody had a very happy holiday season, and um, we're amongst the twelve days of Christmas right now. Anybody get any cool Star Wars stuff for Christmas or? Well, actually, I, I will. I will say that, you know, behind me I've got uh, Boba Fett and Bosk and IG eighty eight, and now I've got Dengar and Zuckus to um, add to that. So I just need four Lom, and then I have my bounty hunters, and that's all of the black series that I want. Except I do have a snow trooper because that's me. So anyway, so that's my son got a budget lightsaber, um, uh, a whole ton of Star Wars Legos. 
and my daughter got a um, Sabine Wren uh, action figure. You didn't get anything though. Uh, you know, we we bought the TV for ourselves. Okay, uh, and we've been watching The Mandalorian on the new TV. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm trying to think. I think I got a few Star Wars Legos. Uh, my sister-in-law works at the Lego store, so yeah. My brother got the Star Destroyer Lego set that, Ooh. like, his sister-in-law got it for the entire family. So he said, <laughs> said he said my nephew is the project manager for the Star Destroyer, and he's like, got everybody, everybody has their sections sections that they're supposed to be working on. So my nephew John is kind of the you know, less talk, more work type thing. So he's a moth of the family. That's right. That's for right. For a set that big, all the different sections have to have like their own baggie, right? That they can I have in. no idea. Because oh. otherwise, sorting through and all everything's those gray. You know, everything <laughs> would be gray. Ugh. Oh, that sounds that sounds horrible. That sounds fun, but ugh. like you need eye drops afterwards. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, hey, all right. This has been. Uh, episode seven of the Houdat Jedi podcast, and um, what uh, Saints beat the Titans. So Houdat and Michael Thomas broke. broke the record. So that was good. Yes, and, best uh, season by a wide receiver ever. That's right. And um, we're going to be uh, taking a break here in a second to see if Drew Brees is on the NFL 100 list and uh, record another episode. But uh, hope everybody's having a great holiday season and. Uh, See you back here. Don't forget to look for us on Podbean, right? Podbean, um, Facebook, Twitter. Twitter. Um, tell your friends. Um, tell your enemies. Yep. We'll take all kinds. Mm. So anyway, until the next episode, we'll say who dat? Who dat? Who dat? And go Saints. See ya. Okay.